You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Dennis Bernstein, senior writer at the fourth period series, XM NHL host. Eric Carlson rumors? Huh? Gotta find something here. Yeah. We're oh, going to try O'Neal to mine for some gold. In Canada. What's he doing? We're going to mine for some gold. Uh, but right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, he is the new head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. We say good morning to Trent Call. Trent, how are you? I'm great, boys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, take us through the process of getting the call about this gig. Just... Uh... I mean, obviously, I, I was happy to see Mitch, uh, you know, move on, get himself to the National Hockey League, did a great job. And then when the job became opening, I just, uh, I kind of coveted the job. I was hunting it, you know. I'd reached out, called, and uh, from there, we kind of started conversations and Zoom calls with different people and then got us to kind of this weekend. So and uh, so it was a nice process, and uh, I'm happy for Mitch, like I said. Um, when it comes to this job, um, obviously uh, development is first and foremost. How do you balance uh, developing uh, for NHL talent for the big club eventually, but also you want you want to win the Calder Cup here, Trent? How do you balance that if you're a head coach? For sure, uh, the statement you just said, I, I agree with you 100. percent But uh, for for me, like the way it is and kind of how it's been established over the years is just. Developing those individuals, you know, when you, you dial in on the individual, you make those individuals better that all of a sudden then eventually that'll take care of your team. And that's, uh, for me, is the focus, and I've found that to be most effective when you're taking care of those individuals. The sky's the limit for your group. Uh, when it comes to uh, your playing career, uh, you were a lifer uh, in the American Hockey League. Uh, what, what, what things did you learn as a player playing at that level that you kind of want to teach these kids for the Wranglers? Uh, I think there's there's so many different parts uh, to that. You know, after after playing 10 years, I mean, first of all, and I said this yesterday as well, like uh, I don't want the players to be like me. I mean, I, I want them to be to be better than me. I want them to, to move on and, and have a great career, you know, and that's, uh, I mean, it can be a grind. I, I know that. And uh, putting yourself in situations where you've been successful or won in the uh, American League or I, and, uh, you know, and also had years where it's been thin and I can put myself in a lot of situations for those players and, and whether it be good or bad. And I feel that certainly helps me relate to those guys. Trent, how, how much has a game changed speed and skill wise since you played it when you retired in 03, 04? I don't think I could play period, you know, coming up now, the game is so fast. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, I think that, you know, just my opinion, that's why I think the, the national hockey league uh, becomes so fast, you know, before you had to pay your dues in the minors and there's longer time there. Well, I think the national hockey league's gotten younger and that's why these guys are at their peak, you know, and they're just flying around the ice. And I find that that's with the way that the American league is. And it's kind of funny. I, I mean, I'm going on a tangent here, but, I find it coaching against certain players, you know, or and guys who have played, they always like the opposite. So if it's a small skill guy who's coaching on another team, he kind of likes big, strong guys and guys that are maybe uh, hard to play against. And if it's a guy who may have had a bit of nitty gritty in his game in the past, they love the skill guys, you know. So I think you kind of get drawn to something that you weren't, and you and you really want to help those guys succeed. 
Trent, uh, you, you see that in the NHL, obviously, as the game has changed, becoming a more quicker, smaller, maybe fast, just overall faster game. Uh, in the AHL, maybe it's gotten a, a it, it had a little bit of a longer way to get there. But are you seeing that as well in the AHL, where it's becoming as well a a high skilled league as we still think it is still the best developmental league on the planet? It is. First of all, it is a great league. I mean, it, it is really difficult. You can imagine young players coming out of college, junior, wherever they're or from Europe, whatever their path has been. I mean, it is not an easy league. And mm-hmm. that is some of the conversations we have initially. And just talking about sometimes people think coming in that, oh, we're going to have great success and, you know, going to do so many things. Well, sometimes you just got to take a breath because it's it's really difficult that first step you know, so many different parts, coming to a different area, you know, moving away from home, being in a different environment, taking care of yourself. There's so many different things for these guys to look at and dealing with travel. And uh, I think that's a whole part of it. But yes, for sure, the league has gotten faster. It's not at the NHL level, of course, but there is, I mean, I just, I can't believe how the athletes have improved from the time where I was playing to where they are now. Uh, this group you're ta- uh, that you're going to be working with this year in the Calgary Wranglers, obviously, uh, I think the expectations are for Jacob Pelche and Matthew Coronado to maybe uh, maybe start off with Flames Camp, maybe get a little more eyes there. But uh, the AHL still has some guys that are still on the up and up, like Connor Zari, uh, 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 Dustin Poirier as well. Just uh, some guys that are just like, or Jeremy, Jeremy Poirier, sorry. Just some guys that are uh, on the way up. Uh, but uh, what are you looking for to see out of guys like them to take the next step as they try to get to the NHL? Just to be honest with you, I'd be spitballing here. You know yeah. those players better than me. I haven't dug in with those guys. I haven't uh, created relationships with them. I mean, you gotta you got to know more about the player and the person than you do just watching a player from a few games, right? So mm-hmm. uh, for me, I, I don't feel comfortable in, in, in saying that or answering that question. But, you know, hopefully in a few months' time and after I get some, uh, some hands-on time with those guys, I'll have a better vibe of how they, how they operate, how they think. And from there, it kind of maybe better suited to answer your question at that time. Uh, Trent, what kind of an advantage is it to have the AHL and the big club in the same city? It's, I think it's fantastic to know that, uh, to be able to see that, to be around it, to feel it. I think it's one thing I think is hugely beneficial of having your American League team in Canada where your, your NHL team is just dealing with the travel. I mean, it's not easy. We, I'm sure you guys all know the Saddledome's a really busy spot, so... I think this team specifically has a, has a tough schedule because there's so much going on, which totally replicates the National Hockey League, you know, almost playing every night and how busy that they can be. So I think that is a huge advantage for guys in preparation of getting them ready to play for the Calgary Flames. Uh, d- does it help guys in development being so close to the big club and seeing those other guys on the ice? You know what? I'm sure it does. I mean, I'm going to flip it another way and just say, like, I think it's awesome for Calgary, uh, sorry, the Flames and the Wranglers to be able to pool resources, you know, to be able to have, you know, there's some other model franchises that have done this as well, but to be able to share those guys, whether it's daily or from day to day going here, going there. And, you know, I can't wait to work with Jelen on Stone and the the skating coaches, et cetera. So these guys, people will be on hand to help us and to, to aid us, you know, in that development process. Trent Call is the new head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, with Patrick Dumas, Sportsnet 960, uh, the fan. Uh, Trent, I just wanted to ask you about your time in Utica. Uh, was that the most beautiful city you ever coached in in the world? <laughs> I, I don't know if you're being facetious or what, <laughs> but uh, 
you know what? It's uh, you'll you'll laugh. It's but for me, kind of uh, it's called like Central New York. I yeah. finished playing in Syracuse. I left. I came back. I worked four years in Syracuse. I come back. I, I left. I came back for another four years, and then I've been four years in, in Utica. And it's kind of trapped me and my family because my family <laughs> stayed here for my last couple of years. So, uh, but it's just. Uh, and, and my wife's from Pennsylvania, so and I was grew up in Ontario, so it's kind of been home for right now. And uh, but we're looking uh, very forward to potentially moving to Canada again. That's for sure. Uh, which one? Which is the toughest barn to play in, in the American Hockey League, Trent? Uh well, you know, when I first started in the league, I played in St. John's, Newfoundland. And if anybody's ever been there, it was a 3,000-seat place, and the people were hanging out of the rafters. It was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, and after that, there's, I mean, different case scenarios, I guess. But it always kind of depends on maybe the team that you're playing, right? Obviously, if they're, uh, whether they're a really good, skilled team and can and beat you up on the scoreboard, or if other teams have been physical, et cetera. So, but I think it fluctuates with the, with the strength of the teams as well. Uh, Trent, uh, you spent time in upstate New York. Obviously, uh, you played in Syracuse, coached in Syracuse, coached in Utica. Our GM with the Calgary Flames, uh, Craig Conroy from Potsdam, New York, also an upstate New York guy. Just talk about how hockey mad uh, you just get north of New York City, and it becomes just it just becomes practically Canada when it comes to that sport. It, it, you know what? Uh, and for a guy who played uh, junior hockey in Canada, you know, I, I didn't realize just the effect of now spending more time in, in like you said, the upstate uh, New York. It's just the college hockey and how important it is, and it's kind of uh, dug into the fabric of, of yeah. the people here and going to those games, and, and they really enjoy it, whether it's D one, D three, whatever it is. So, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you can certainly see that uh, the ranks, et cetera, that are available and how important the game is. And it does remind me, like you said, it is very close to Canada and it has sometimes the same uh, uh, kind of vibe to it as well. Uh, Trent, we know that uh, the organization has some champagne problems when it comes to goaltending. Obviously, Markstrom and Vladar and the MVP of the league and the two-time goalie of the year in the American Hockey League, Dustin Wolf, uh, is on your roster. There's a chance that he'll be your goaltender at the beginning of the season. Uh, what kind of luxury is that to you, and how much easier does that make your job? Yeah, you know what? I have no idea what the, the outcome of that will be. Uh, but you know what? If if he's there, then fantastic. I, I've had some experience being an opposing coach versus him, and mm. I know how effective he can be. That's for darn sure. And uh, but I, I hope whatever happens for him is, is the best for him and, and, and his path. And if uh, he's going to play a few games for the Rangers, great. Obviously, we'll, we'll accept him with open arms. And uh, but if if he's not, he's moving on to then. It's always opportunity for more players and, and someone different as well. Uh, you obviously uh, also have some uh, NHL experience. You were on the bench with Bruce Boudreau uh, in Vancouver uh, this past season. Uh, just talk about that experience, and especially at the end, being on the bench beside Bruce uh, at that arena in Vancouver, that situation. How did you deal with all of that uh, in and around uh, the firing of Bruce Boudreau and ultimately you being let go as well? Yeah, well, it was difficult. It was the first time I'd been fired in my career, so that was something that selfish, like kind of personally, it, it takes you a little bit to get over, you know, and how you you react from that. But uh, you know what? It was great to be uh, to see Bruce, to see uh, a guy with over six hundred wins and how he operates, and uh, just uh, for me, it was nice too to take a step back. I'd been a head coach for five years, learned from some other guys. Mike Yo is on the bench as well, and so to be able to be around that and see Bruce and how he interacted with star players, I think was was really 
was awesome for me. It was a great learning experience, and uh, and the guys, the players loved him. I mean, he had he had a different uh, kind of way about him. I thought that was really unique. And he's how uh, you know he's a really nice man. He's a really good person, and you could see that and how kind of endeared the fans were to him as well. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a rocky road there uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, we all come out, you know, learning more and, and learning more about ourselves for sure too. Uh, you mentioned Bruce Boudreau and, and Mike Yo as some names there, but what are some other guys that you've learned along your coaching uh, journey that uh, have uh, had some influences on on your game? I think would you have been in Syracuse in John Cooper's year there? Uh, John uh, moved up to Tampa, okay, uh, and he was working with Rob Zettler. Was Rob Zettler was his assistant, so Rob ended up hiring me as his assistant. Okay, okay, so, but it was great to be. But but that being said. Uh, being part of the Black Aces for four years uh, in Tampa and watching, you know, Coop work with his group and uh, and just watching them play and being part of those meetings. And not only that, too, I think it was like probably the first real time, too, where being part of the Tampa organization and the development plan and how in-depth and, and being exposed to that and seeing that and learning from it and, and teaching. I mean, it was it was a really good part of my development as a coach for sure and then carrying that on into uh with with vancouver as well and and i thought too that it was really good for me to have an opportunity to work with like the sedines and you know and just those special kind of guys around the nhl that are wanted to come in and help out and be around them every day i think it was it was a great process for me to get me kind of to where i am now and good and bad of sometimes you get fired but it gives you a Mm -hmm. lot of time to have some perspective and to kind of review things and and you know what? I'm jacked up to be a part of this. I think it's like a from an outsider right now. It's like a fresh start for Calgary and a new general manager, a new head coach. You know, and then now to be a part of that as well. And, and I can't wait to start working with these guys. Uh, take me back uh, it was to your playing career. I believe it was one of your last fights you had in the AHL. It was with uh, a former Flame in Brian McGratton. Uh, he did not leave the bench in this fight and was waving his stick. Do you remember? Do you recall this fight back in two thousand four with uh, with Brian McGratton? Yeah, well, these things happen. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, we had maybe found our way into fisticuffs earlier on in the season and whatever, and uh, I'm, I'm not even sure. as that I'm not a guy who goes back into the glory days. I mean, I think uh, most of those, you put it in the black yeah. box, and I've thrown those away. So, But, uh, but no, you know, it was... Uh, I, I do. I love guys competing hard. I, I'm a big, you know, stickler on on hard work and effort, and everything else after that is 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 gravy, right? I mean, I, yeah. I just know if we're doing those things, that good things will come of it. And I've got a lot of time for us trying new things. And I know we're going to make mistakes, especially with the younger guys, and that's okay. And uh, but you know what? The hard work, the effort, those are the key things. So, but yeah, enough of my career. I was one of those guys who was really good in the room, and probably should have stayed more in the room. So. <laughs> Uh, Trent, uh, before I let you go, you ready for some rapid fire questions? We did this with Ryan Huska, uh, when he joined us, uh, in studio, when he was introduced as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames, you ready for some rapid fire questions, uh, Trent Cole? I can't, yeah, I can't believe Huss didn't tell me that I was going to be into this, but all right, let's all right. go. Let's okay, go. here we go. Uh, your hidden talent. Uh, cut down trees. Oh, really? There you go. Are you a chainsaw or an axe kind of guy? Real man, like axe, or no? Both. Okay. My father was a lumberjack before he moved to Ontario at the age of 20, and uh, he taught me all about trees and cutting down trees. Okay, I like that. Favorite pump-up song on the way to the rink? Oh, that's pretty good. I might go back to Welcome to the Jungle. Just I like an oldie. Mm -hmm. I like that one. Uh, how How do you do your coffee? How do you like your coffee? 
Okay, I'm a little bit fruity, but <laughs> I love the creamer. I love like the vanilla creamer. I uh, I love that. So, and I mean, if there's nothing else on hand, I'll just have it black. But uh, and I drink coffee like a fiend, so okay. I go back and forth with normal high test and then decaf, and decaf because if not, I'm bouncing off the walls. Uh, how do you how do you get your steak done? Medium rare. Oh, there you go. Okay, that's 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 a very good answer. You get a lot there. of good steak out here. Uh, which is worse, uh, trend call iron covers or a stick bag? Iron covers or a stick bag? Which is worse? I don't even understand what that means. Okay, so iron covers on your on your irons uh, for your golf clubs. Uh, people, some right. people have iron covers on them, or a stick bag, right. uh, a bag that carries your sticks. See, like you're talking, obviously talking to the wrong guy because I've never even had a set of covers for my for my stick and or my yeah. iron. Well, that's the correct answer for I both. Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is a- absolutely the correct answer uh, for both. Uh, your favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I don't know any of the names, but we were just talking about, I was just talking about my wife for last night and talking about the billion dollar tour and how people are so impressed. And, uh, I think it's awesome. I just, I don't have, I don't even know the name of it. I'll, I'll but I'll sing along. Yeah, I, sure. you know, I, I'm not going to be uh, shy like that, but it looks like she's doing an unbelievable job. Everybody's so happy with their shows too. It seems like that's awesome. What, what? A, what a show person she is. Oh, I was, I was going to ask you, can you sing a couple bars of, uh, <laughs> maybe a chorus or something? And I can tell you what song it is. No. Okay, I won't put nah, you on the spot. That, that'll have to be for another time. <laughs> yeah. In person. Christmas time. Uh, favorite movie of all time? Uh, I'm going to go with The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh. Wow. That's a deep cut. I like I, that one. I love the I love the book. It was the first book that really I like to read, and so it was the first book that really kind of jarred me. And then, uh, you know, I love uh, Guy Ritchie, too, his films. So I yep. love that, like Snatch and all those kind of things, but uh, that would be the one I would say. Uh, how well can you nap on a bus and or plane? Oh, my God. I've grown up. I, I think that a girl, when I played junior hockey, uh, this reporter wrote an article on me, and she said, if I played five years as an underage, which I did, I was kind of like a prospect to a suspect, <laughs> I would have gone around the world one and a half times. So I'm probably on lap number 20 on a bus at this point, I feel like. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't nap on either one, but if I'm tired, sometimes it happens in the middle of the night for sure. Uh, and let's humanize you before we let you go. Your biggest flaw. <laughs> Biggest flaw. I'll bring my wife in for that one, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I uh, I guess in the sense of I don't know about uh, iron covers or stick bags, <laughs> yep. or I guess I'm a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say I'm I, I'm not old school because I have young. I got kids that have made me young, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I still do like. I, I'm like a little kid. Like I want to go outside and be outside all day. I, I actually laugh. Like I garden, and I'm just kind of like one of those guys who loves being outside and cutting the lawn and whatever. And so that would be kind of my thing, you know. So, uh, Trent, you stick with us in this city, and uh, we'll teach you about uh, don't have iron covers or a stick bag for your hockey sticks. Uh, Trent Call is a new head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, terrific stuff. Best of luck. We'll be all be watching. Thanks for this. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Look forward to seeing you and meeting you. There he is, uh, Trent Call, the new head coach of the uh, Calgary Wranglers on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-2222.
33-44. County Quick. Monte Cristo. I like that. Yeah, That's a deep by cut. by Alexander Dumas. I like Oh, wow. Your cousin? Maybe Grandfather? related. Maybe related way down okay. the line. Looks kind of like my dad. Uh, your favorite Taylor Swift song? I don't like Taylor Swift. I don't. Okay, I, hold I on. Really, That's a bad I take. don't That's like Taylor take. Swift. I hold don't on. like Taylor Swift. Patrick, I, I'm not going to fall back. I don't like Taylor Swift. Patrick, never there's have, never two will. types of people in this world. People who like Taylor Swift and people who lie about not liking Taylor Swift. I don't Swift. like Taylor Swift. Straight up. I don't like her. Don't like Taylor Swift either. Don't like her. I, I, I don't. Shan coming in over the top rope here, too. Yeah, neither do I. What? What are you guys talking are you guys about? Nuts? She <laughs> makes us all feel something. Eh. Anger. I, no, not I, anger. I, I'm not. I, I don't like that style of music. Uh, I just, not even I, one song. No, I don't. Okay. I, I find it, it's like ear it's it's earbuds Azam, but bad Azam, earbuds. You, you strike me as a sensitive guy. You don't like Taylor Swift? I, I do not. I I may have a sensitive side, but no. <laughs> GVP, they're all lying. They have to be lying. No, yeah, they, they have are. to be lying. I am not. It's too many good songs. Nope. Not to at least like one. <laughs> I don't like Taylor Swift. I'm not. Not a, even one. Not even the gym one. Yesterday, listen nothing but Taylor Swift. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. It was great. <laughs> it was awesome. Great okay. time. All right. Maybe that's too much info, but no, it's fine. Okay. Like, what were you? What were you banging weights to love story? Like, what were you doing? Well, like, I mean, like, I'm not. Hacksaw. Uh, but mostly just old Taylor Swift country stuff. Yeah, that was probably playing it at okay. one point. Yeah. Put me down for a non-Swift guy. Hacksaw. Taylor Swift is overrated. Yeah, that's a no on Taylor Swift for me too, Jeremy in Calgary. Wow. Hate Taylor Swift. Seems really fake. Hate's a strong word. It is. That is. Seems yeah. really but fake. I, I don't like, like her. I, okay. I, I, just <laughs> I one person, I just do not like. Okay. We had this chat of like, like one person that doesn't do it for you. Taylor Swift is that person for me. Very, yeah. very cynical again, Patrick. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just... Stampede and Taylor Swift, not my things. Okay. So if Taylor Swift played at the Stampede, GVP you're getting the hell line. out of Dodge. I might take vacation for once okay. there and actually leave the city. All right. Um, that's cynical, Patrick. Yeah, uh, he's here all week. <laughs> um, Shan, De- you're an absolute gem. That's on the text line as well. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, senior writer at the fourth period, Sirius XM NHL host, uh, going to join us. Uh, Eric Carlson? Yeah? I Trade? hope so. Huh? Get him out of San Jose. Maybe? San Jose wants him gone. Please, let's have some news. Let's have an Eric Carlson trade. Be awesome if it happened tonight so we can talk about it tomorrow. That would be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be Something. totally cool. Even any trade. Yeah, and what's the holdup on some of these contract extensions? Like Nylander, whoa, whoa, Matthews. What's taking what's taking Lindholm? What's going on with what's going on with Hellebuck? <laughs> like what? Everything is just at a just grinding halt standstill. Well, who who in the was National that had the, had the tweet? They were either at a tee box or on a lake. Yeah. That's Justin Bourne. This is Justin. That was just That's yeah. literally where the NHL, the thirty-two GMs are. They're uh, at a box or on a league somewhere. Uh, but Dennis Bernstein, uh, definitely super dialed in. Uh, we'll talk to him next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan with cynical Patty Dumas, nine sixty. The fan. You're listening to the big show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. What a treasure. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I can't believe the amount of hatred Taylor Swift is getting on the text line. It's insanity. <laughs> let's be better here, text DVP, line. Let's be, better. Let's, let's be better. It's a Come lot on. of bitterness. She touches not like she'll ever come hearts. to Canada, so it's not like... Oh, snap. <laughs> Another zinger from Patrick. He's <laughs> bringing them all day today. Come after me. I'm the yeah. reason why she's not coming here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is Eric Carlson going to get dealt? Maybe. Potentially. Hopefully. Let's talk some Eric Carlson <laughs> rumors. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, senior writer of the fourth period, Sirius XM NHL host, joined us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Dennis, good morning. How are you? 
Great, George. Great being on the big show. Uh, George, what big trades are pulled on July 18th? Come on. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm trying here. I'm trying here, Dennis. We I know saw, you're trying. It's July. We, we saw last year uh, the Flames made a couple uh, big moves uh, last year, a giant move. Um, is, is there anything even remotely close on the Eric Carlson front here? No, there's two teams. There's Pittsburgh and Carolina. But unless one side moves or some, if one of the acquiring teams wants to make it more richer for the the Sharks, we're going to training camp the way it is, status quo. And I think that's the situation. Plus, you know, George, you know, eleven point five mil. That's not easy to swallow. So is it twenty five percent? Is it twenty percent? Is it thirty uh, percent? I think these teams are definitely interested. But again, there's movement, and you know, Mike Greer's playing it right, and so is Eric Carlson. Because I talked to Eric Carlson down in Nashville during the awards and the draft, and he says, I get it. It's a big trade. It's going to take time. So was there a clock ticking before, let's say, July 1st or the window before, right after free agency? I don't think so. Will it get done? Yeah, you, you want to move on from that player. But it's still, it's still tricky to assess what his value is at 33 years old, coming off an incredible Norris Trophy season to say, okay, this is the player you're going to get for the next four seasons because that's what he's under contract for. Dennis, doesn't it feel like, though, the Penguins need him to potentially even remotely challenge for a Stanley Cup? Only for a Stanley Cup to get in the playoffs, George. They, they missed the playoffs last season. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It makes them a much more dangerous team. But look at the other team acquiring. If they would trade for Eric Cross and the Carolina Hurricanes, they have three guys that, on the blue line that scored at least 18 goals, like which is something else. Brady Shea, Brent Burns, and, and you had Eric Cross into the mix, and a team that struggled to score in the playoffs. I, personally, George, the, the Canes were closer. They could certainly fill in the knee. What they would do is to have Intralbo Son and Brett Pesci, you move him over, you move him to a team for a first-round pick. You use that first-round pick plus your wars, plus maybe a prospect, plus maybe a roster player to get Eric Cross. And I think it makes a lot more sense for the Canes, but there's more chatter around the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. What what would the Penguins even give up? Like what what do they have to give to the San Jose Sharks potentially? I know, you know, it would be like they'd have to send back the like Petrie to make sense, P.O. Joseph, a prospect, definitely a first round pick and a conditional second, something like that. So five pieces for that team that missed the playoffs, that's an older team. I guess if you really want to put together the back together the Beatles and do you want a fourth Beatle, here's Eric Carlson, right? To add to Sid Gino and and Chris Letang. So um mm. it would be risky. And I agree with you, George. I, I don't think the package that Pittsburgh would trade would be as valuable as what Carolina could give. That's why I keep going back to Carolina as the team that makes sense. Does San Jose even have much urgency in moving Eric Carlson? Are they like, I, they obviously know their situation. They're not going to be a contender anytime soon. Are they okay with, with taking Carlson another year or two? No, I don't think so. I think you want to resolve mm-hmm. this because then, then it's going to dog this team. Plus yeah. Hassel Platner, who's the owner He's involved in these negotiations as well. With the, I assume the financial and not the hockey ops side, but how much they're going to retain and stuff like that. So when the owner gets in, involved, you better not take two years if you're a new yeah. GM to get that done. right? So it's going mm-hmm. it's to get done, I assume, by, by opening night. Maybe it lingers into the season, but past the season, no. But again, Carlson understands like the magnitude of the trade. So he's willing to be patient. Has his patience thrown out? Absolutely not, because we're in the early days. Remember, how far are we moved from the trade request going public and then trying to maneuver to draft and free agent to make the trade. It just couldn't happen. I do suspect it will happen. Uh, I would think still before opening night, but it may go into, into early next season. Um, 
signing uh, contract extensions. Uh, what's taking Austin mm-hmm. Matthews so long to re-up in Toronto, Dennis? Uh, they're waiting for what happened, uh, William Car- a decision on William Carlson. I, I think it's a, it, this is a little about optics, George. Right, so if Austin would sign now for 14, 14 and a half, whatever he's going to sign for, and they have to trade Nylander, well, now Austin looks like the bad guy. Oh, wait a minute, Austin mm. took all the money. They don't want that perception. So they, I, 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 and you know, the Washer agency, Judd Muldover is the lead uh, on the Austin Matthews guy. He's he, his guy. They're willing to wait. And if it goes into the, into the fall, into next season, it's fine. But they don't want that optic. They don't want to say, okay, um, Austin signing the biggest contract in NHL history is going to cost the team William Carlson. They don't want that to happen. So they told the Leafs, look, go take care of Carlson. When you do, then we can talk. So I think, I think that's the situation right now. And I, I get it. I mean, this is a lot of money to pay one player. If it does cost you a, a 40 goal score off the roster, yeah, there'll be a lot of, you know, there'll be a lot of consternation about that. But George, imagine Austin Matthews not signed to an extension by the time we get to the all-star game in Toronto. Mm. Like that will overshadow everything. So there is a sense of urgency from the Leafs side. Cause look, I, you know, I talked about the Carlson thing lingering. Yeah. He plays in San Jose and there's three people that cover the team. Do you want this lingering with, with Austin Matthews from night one, from game one? You don't want that around this team. You really don't. When you're trying to settle in a new general manager, trying to get, you know, go deeper in the playoffs, you don't want that big of a distraction. So I, I think it'll get done over the summer, but they, they, they can afford to be patient and again, they're waiting for William Nylander's, um outcome to before they start uh, talking again to the Leafs about an extension. Uh, Dennis, let's play this fun game. Uh, let's say Austin Matthews doesn't re-up, which we all think he will. We're, what team can even afford to sign him in free agency? Um, let's see. Probably, I'd say twenty-five teams. But where's he? Where does he want to? Go? Where would he go, George? That's the thing. Like the Rangers wouldn't have the money. Like the I, Kings? I don't know, Do the Kings have the money? The, Chicago well, the Kings would. Yeah. The King. Well, if they didn't trade for, for Dubois, I would say yes. Hmm. Like the Kings would have the money, but now that they've made a choice with Dubois, it's an eight year deal. So, and I'm sure LA would be attractive to Austin as well. I think Chicago would be a good place to land, but again, it's not going to be, they can't be 20 takers for Austin Matthews because Austin Matthews doesn't want to play in 20 markets. Like, it, it's pretty simple as that. And, and forget the romanticizing about Arizona. He, he's not going to play in a, at Arizona State for eight years. So let, let's get that over seven years or whatever it would be. I think there'd be a handful of teams. None of like Eric Carson, like these big value targets. There's not 10 teams. There's not 12 teams. There's three to four teams that can that are at the right time, the right uh, spot with respect to uh, assets, and the right uh, cap space to make these trades. That's, George, that, that's the overarching thing. It's not that easy to trade this player because of the no movement clause of his demand to go to a contender and the hard cap. It's hard to pull off these deals. I know we always talk about GMs wanting to have more imagination in this league, and I, I always beg for it. But that's why you see this, because these are difficult trades to execute or signings to execute in a hard cap situation. Uh, out in L.A., uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's uh, very mm-hmm. much taken to Los Angeles. He's very much ready to prove himself. How much uh, will the L.A. market be on? I know L.A. is it's, it's a good hockey market. They know, what they're, they know what they're watching. They know what they're talking about. But how much pressure do you think Pierre-Luc Dubois will be under in Los Angeles compared to what he was in Winnipeg? Well, I tell you, Patrick, they did a full PR media blitz with, Pat, uh, with Dubois. Like, they took him everywhere. Yeah. They took him to a Dodger game. They took him to a Galaxy game. He's done 20. Like, they never do this much media availability. Mm-hmm. And I've been here for 20 years with a player, as they've done with Dubois. 
But what I said all the right things. And you know, people say, well, in two years, maybe he's not happy here. Well, he signed here for eight years. He committed to eight years. He's got a no movement clause after the season for four seasons. So I, I don't think there's any pressure because he's not playing for a contract. The pressure is now proving what the contract is. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Dubois can be a really offensive weapon because guess what? He's got two Selkie candidates behind him at center in Kopitar and Deneau. He's set up to win. He should be a 35-35 you know, guy in this league. Now, he may not play as much because of his, you know, he's not the greatest defensive player, but he's set up to win. And when you go down the middle of, like I mentioned, Dubois, Kopitar, and Deneau, and you have Blake Lazard as a capable 4C, this team can make noise in this division. They can challenge, you know, they were, close, they were close to the top last season. And you add him, and you have Gavrikov for a full season. Now, there's a question that, if Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot can be the answer, mm-hmm. but with Dubois, they think they can go to war because here's the thing. They've made the playoffs two years in a row. It's not good enough anymore. The Kings mm-hmm. haven't won a playoff series since they won a Stanley Cup in 2014. That has to end the season. That's why they made the trade for Dubois. The Kings uh, are in the Pacific Division. Just taking a look at the this division overall, it's got the, the Cup champion. It's got maybe yeah. the two best players on the planet in it as well. Do you think the Pacific Division, as of July 18th, is the best division in the National Hockey League? Yeah, well, if Calgary plays better in Vancouver, yeah, with Calgary and Vancouver, if they can be, you know, 95-point teams, you could have one hell of a race, Patrick, here. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And, you know, here's the thing. If I'm Vegas, and I look around at all the contending teams, like, if, if I'm McCrimmon and McPhee, I'm feeling really good about defending my title because who got better? Like Colorado, yeah. and, you know, because they got Ryan Johansson, Connor Brown in Edmonton. That's the only move. Dubois maybe in L.A. I'm feeling really confident because no, no real contender really made themselves better to threaten this team. Now, granted, Florida was all banged up. But when I see what happened in Boston, I think that Vegas feels really comfortable. I really like their odds t- to, to win back-to-back here because I'm not sure. I, I think, again, the 83.5 cap is a big, big obstacle. But I don't see these teams that went all in. Now, maybe they go all in at the trade deadline, but right now in the moment, if I'm Vegas, I'm feeling really comfortable about going back and winning another title next season. Dennis Burstein, senior writer at the fourth period. You hear him on SiriusXM NHL Radio. Joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose with Patty Dumas, Sportsnet 960. The fan. Uh, Dennis, what's the latest with Connor Hellebuck? You talk about teams that contending. Obviously, uh, the Devils are a team I'm sure that's high on his list, but I don't know how they can get that Mm -hmm. done. Is is Connor Hellebuck stuck in Winnipeg this season? Yeah, if he wants to stick with that $9 million a year extension, ask. Sure he is. Like, teams are scared of... Who wants to pay a goalie nine million dollars? Yeah, you got a break with Bobrovsky. You paying him ten million. He finally got hot in the playoffs after he didn't start game one. That's a big ask, and I don't see that team as willing to swallow that right now. So he might play out. You know, I think that's a situation where sometimes George team players play out their contracts. Now maybe it's more you can swallow that deal um, as a rental going into the playoffs at the trade deadline. But to think you're going to trade for this player, give up four assets, and then pay him nine million at what is he twenty nine years old? for what seven years that's a big risk and I, I i just in this market in this environment it was the wrong time to ask for nine million or let that leak out because of the cap situation like if we went down the road or we knew next season the cap was going to be an 88 or 89 maybe maybe one team would swallow that but given the market and given the fact that you can get a cheaper goaltender and win a stanley cup like they did in vegas like it, that's again that's the thing george like you, you just you're asking for nine million when the guy who won the Stanley Cup was playing on a minimum deal contract. Like so, people. It depends how organizations value goaltending. 
And I don't know if the organization that values goaltending at $9 million a year, like going into maybe 86 or $87 million cap situation next season. I just don't see it. Uh, the Flames, obviously a candidate uh, for a bounce back year. It's uh, seemingly all they do is a yo-yo, one good, one bad. Uh, this team might be a good year, but it all depends on on what's going to happen with these UFAs and, and the statuses going forward of, of Lindholm and Hannafin, of course, Michael Backlund. Yeah. What's your read on, on this Calgary situation? Obviously, Backlund had the interview with with, uh, with a Swedish interview talking about he he does want to win a Stanley Cup, doesn't, doesn't know if it's going to happen here in Calgary, had a rough time with Daryl Sutter. But just, just overall, what's your gauge on, on the Flames here as we, uh, we're here in the middle of July? Well, you know, careful what you wish for, Conroy. You know, he wanted this job really badly. He's a homegrown guy. He's been there forever. So it's a, it's a tough situation, Patrick. And I've been on the show before saying, I think they got to sign Lindholm. If they're going to trade Lindholm, then they're not a contender. And Michael Backlund's right. And then you make moves accordingly. I know a lot of fans disagree that you don't want to go to turn with a player like that. But that's the guy. He's your first-line center, and who's going to be your first-line center if not him? So it's a, it's a tricky situation. I, look, again, I keep going back. Look, the team had 17 overtime and, and, and yep. shootout losses. Yeah. So they won half those during the playoffs. So they're a good team. They're a good team. They need better goaltending. The, the, you know, the guy in the net has to live up to that $6 million a year price tag. They're not that far away. No. They're not a rebuilding situation. But, again, there's some difficult decisions that Conroy has to make in his first year in the job, and one of them is who to bring back and who to keep. But, again, I've said it before. If you don't, you're not. what are you going to get for, for Lindholm uh, at, at this point? You're not going to get for it. It's not an Eric Carlson trade. He's going to last year of his deeds in his walk year. So you might recover something. But, again, I, I think that's the key. Whatever happens to that player – you can make an assessment for the team from there. I can't do it right now. I, hmm. Look, I would let him continue to play. And remember, I keep going back to the first press conference where Conroy said, if I was here, Johnny Gaudreau never would have left town. Well, now you got a high-value player right here in, in Elias Lindholm. Will you, leave him, will you let him leave town now? Is the Edmonton Oilers' blue line good enough as it's currently constructed to win a Stanley Cup, Dennis? Is it good enough to get to a Stanley Cup final? It hasn't been. Um, to win a Stanley I, Cup. I, I think you're... Yeah, I, I think, George, you have to look at it in combination with the goaltending. I think that defensive core, that's what I'll call it, the blue on the goaltending, I don't think it's good enough. I really don't. Hmm. I, and I know there's some talk about Eric Carlson would have been better defensively, but you know certainly they would have possessed the puck even more. I, I, I don't think so. I don't see this as a full-round team. Because, again, I, what did they do in the offseason other than signing Connor's buddy, Connor Brown, to, to change this team? They really have it. And I'm not sure. So... Could it happen? Yeah. Because, look, here's the thing. I thought the West was wide open. I thought L.A. had a legit shot to get to a cup final next season. So, look, one or two injuries from, from Vegas or Aiden Hillis and the same guy, like, could another team get through? They could. Could it be Edmonton? Yeah. Like, you know, they went – look, they regressed a little bit. But at the end of the day, do I think it's good enough? Uh, I don't know. I have to see it again. Um, and I'm, I'm just not sure. I don't believe enough in Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell. I think that – what does them in next season, not their blue line. If this team, uh, if the Oilers uh, go out in the second round again, what does this do for, for a guy like Leon Dreisaitl, who's a year away from UFA status? Is, is this the part of time where you say, hey, is it going to happen here? Do I want to leave McDavid? Does McDavid still want to be here? But just how critical this season is for the Edmonton Oilers? I think it's really critical, Patrick, to be honest with you. I think they got to get to a, a Stanley Cup final. Because then here's what happened. Like, they went deep last season, right? They went to a conference final. And all that chatter about Connor leaving town stopped. Okay, now we got a really good team. I got a legitimate shot to win. 
Yeah, could Leon go and does Leon continue to want to be second fiddle? He'll get paid really well. And that's the other thing. How do you pay Leon? Right? When you're paying Austin Matthews 14 and you're going to pay yeah. Connor, I don't know what you're going to pay him when in the next year. I don't really know. It's hard to get a, you know, Leon's a Euro and it's hard to get a read on him when you talk to him. I've interviewed him a couple of times. It, 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 it's, it's all the conversation chatted around what kind of want to leave. It's never talking about Leon, yet you're right. Leon's contract mm-hmm. comes up one year before Connor's. I, I think he loves playing with Connor McDavid so much that I, I think they find a way to keep him. And imagine how he would get Kenny Holland would get roasted if you can't bring back Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Like that would be the other thing, the optics on that. So I think Leon certainly loves playing there, thinks the team's legitimate. And they are. They're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I, I think they have to find a way. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're talking about the situation, again, one year removed where the cap might be 88, 88 or 9, and make it a little easier uh, for the Edmonton Oilers to bring back uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Dennis, can you explain to us what the Nashville Predators are doing? Uh, no, I can't, to be honest. <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of rebuilding, but you know, that's a team that I'll give an example. That's a team that if, if this Carolina hurricanes thing comes off with Eric Carlson, that would be the type of team that would trade for Brett Pesci. Right. And, and sign and sign to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Like, and probably cost them a first round pick. So what are they doing? I don't know. They're floundering, but there's a lot of teams that, and like Barry Trotz is trying to put his stamp on the team. Obviously, they've moved out a lot of talent, a lot of cash. I get it. I understand it. People have said it before. And again, Duchesne and, and Joe Hansen were so inconsistent. That, that's tough. And you, look, here's the thing. If they trade Soros, then it's a rebuild. Right? they got to keep that guy. Forsberg mm-hmm. uh, was all banged up next season. They're in the middle of a pack team, and that's the one danger, George, is that if you're mediocre in this team, in this league, if you're like a ninth or tenth place team, it takes a long time. You got to be really bad or really good. It takes a long time to get out of that vicious cycle. And remember, they went to the Cup final in 2017. They don't look close to that team. They're a they're a bottom of the lineup team right now when when you look at that team. So it's a I guess Barry's just trying to get his footing in, in Nashville. And he's going to move accordingly, but it's going to be a tough season for that team. Uh, Dennis, before I let you go, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. I'm going to get your opinion on it. Uh, are we even remotely close to having a best on best? competition it's been way too long uh canada and the u.s would be a phenomenal game uh, the stars the americans have the stars the canadians have are we even close to a best on best and if not what the hell are we doing here dennis yeah you're right i know and i saw that the gold cup here was here the comic half gold cup was here in la and they had seventy two thousand people at sofi and well here's the thing George. they want the world cup of hockey it's as simple as that because they'll make money off the world cup of hockey that's it. And I know it takes forever to do that and logistics and everything else. And maybe they go back to the Olympics. Maybe there's some, some, you know, some stance off uh, what the owners are looking at with respect to delaying a season. So I agree with you, George. And, and look, remember, World Baseball Classic, way back in the day in 2006, it was nothing. Now it, it, it's, it's made in, inroads in, 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 in the States here. So mm-hmm. I think, and in Canada as well. So, uh, so I, I don't know what we're waiting for, to be honest with you. I think that if you want to reconstitute the All-Star game somehow, but that's in the middle of the season, they keep seeing the World Cup of Hockey, and they say, well, it's going to take a couple more years, and we've lost traction, we've lost time. There should have been a World Cup, World Cup of Hockey between 2016 and 2024. That's what doesn't make any sense, but the pandemic got in the way, the things with the Olympics got in the way, but we do need to see it, George. You're absolutely right. I'm not sure when you see it. I guess maybe next season, 2024, they're going to try to, to to shoot for that. But it's something that's absolutely needed to grow the game. Yeah, it's uh, super frustrating. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, a senior writer at the fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM and NHL Radio. Dennis, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. 
Well, it's great being on the Big Show, boys. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. There he is uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Yeah, uh, we need some uh, best on best. Obviously, I think the world geolo- geopolitical problem is uh, is also weighing in on that. Uh, but yeah, we, we it's been too far too long that the NHL is the only league without a without yep. its best players being showed off, shown off to the world. It's too long. Uh, I'm gonna ask this question uh, around the room before we go. Yeah, which happens first, a shovel in the ground for a new arena in Calgary, or a best on best <laughs> hockey competition? You want announcement of the best on best or the actual playing of the best actual best? playing? Oh, boy. The first game of that tournament, whatever it be, Olympics or World Cup, or a shovel in the ground to build a new arena here in Calgary, which happens first? Mm. Both can't be trusted. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say best on best. Okay, Azam? I'm going to say shovels on the ground. Okay, that's optimistic. GVP? Uh, I think it actually might be shovels in the ground as well. Like the last time we saw a best on best was the 2016 World Cup, correct? And yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're not we're not close to no. the Olympics coming back. That was 2014 Mil- with Mil- Sochi, Milan in 2026. We'll see. Maybe maybe the Italians like uh, want to get the. Listen, pro I said, going. why don't we why don't we move hockey to the Summer Olympics? That that honestly. That could be work. a possibility because basketball runs equivalent to the uh, yeah. NHL and schedule and they play in the summer. It's not a summer sport, but who cares? That would work for the NHL. You get the Olympic experience mm-hmm. and you don't have to you don't have to suspend your league for 2 3 weeks. That's exactly it. Like you can you got a 3 week, 4 week, you take a month off in the summer. I get it. Guys would get into their off season and whatnot, but I mean, it's for the Olympics. I think it, I think yeah, it's just and there would be eyes on it for sure. Canada would be all eyes on it for sure. I think the Americans would watch it. Uh, it's just a matter is if the IOC would want it in the summer. I don't think they would want. I don't it, think though. they that's, want. That's it. the only problem. But yeah. that would be the perfect time to have it. It would be. The, the but perfect time already for, so loaded as it is. Can you throw in a hockey tournament listen, now? You it's got always, soccer. You got baseball. Yeah, you got well, basketball. the soccer tournaments, man. Uh, it's always uh, you have to have it. The sweet spots late August, early September. Yeah, where the World Cup was. It, well, like, they they yeah. did that with the Canada World Cup. Juniors yeah. in that awkward year, but. Yeah, but th- the that World didn't Juniors, really work. No one really cared yeah, about that. It was different because they moved it. Yeah, it was. It was people would from watch the jam- this the Christmas time. So yeah, like I think just, it, yeah, you get it. Would be the best to put it in just before training camp. Get these guys out there. You're gonna start. Oh, we got to ramp it up a little sooner, like it was in 2016. And none of this team America, North America, team Europe crap. I don't like that. I never liked that. But I think it, it'll depend on what Russia is doing. It'll depend a lot on what they're doing because I don't think you can have a best on best without the Russians. It's true. Tough. Uh, what do we got coming up in Mucho Big Show? GBP? Uh We're going to be replaying our chat with uh, John Morosi, mm. and then followed by our interesting discussion we had on uh, Shohei Otani, who's more valuable between him or Connor McDavid. Okay, awesome stuff. Uh, that's it for us. Yes. Uh, check out the podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. We're playing some Impossible Flames trivia tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're giving away some prizes. Uh, we'll talk to Adnan Verk. Uh, my man Cam Stewart's going to join us. We'll talk to Dave Dickinson. Yep. Busy show ahead tomorrow. Have a terrific day. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.